It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, this is a great day for the Orlando Magic. Um, Every team gets excited about the draft, but some drafts you get a little more excited about than others. And, um, you know, we came away with a guy that we were um, hoping to come away with, who we feel will add in every way to our team, on the court, off the court. A guy who embodies what we want our team to be about, hard work, togetherness, teamwork, and humility. And um, so uh, I say with great pride and a lot of happiness today, welcome Chuma. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is June 25th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked on Magic, we'll introduce you to Chuma Okiki. Hear what he had to say at Friday's introductory press conference as the Orlando Magic officially welcomed Chuma Okiki to the team. We'll also talk a little bit about the NBA awards show that passed on Monday, how the Magic continued to be snubbed and go over some of the results that the Magic had there too. We'll talk about free agency a little bit more tomorrow as, as, as we turn the page over. Sunday, of course, the opening of free agency. So we'll talk about who the Magic will target over the course of the week, as well as kind of what their strategy is going to be. And again, I'll also refresh refresh you on, on what they have available, what their options are available. We'll do that starting tomorrow, so we'll wrap up uh, some things today. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you find here. Want to get the lowdown on Giannis Antetokounmpo winning the NBA MVP? Check out Locked On Bucks. Rudy Gobert, the Defensive Player of the Year? Locked On Jazz. Lou Williams, your sixth man of the year? Check out Locked On Clippers. It's a Locked On podcast for every single team in the NBA, except the Washington Wizards. We'll, we'll fill that out later. Um, but... Uh, there's a Locked On podcast for every, almost every team in the NBA, plus Locked On NBA, plus Locked On Fantasy Basketball to get your fantasy basketball needs in check, too. You can find them all on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device, or check them out on the Himalaya app, too. You can find them all there, plus MLB, uh, NCAA, and, uh, ML, and NFL podcasts as well. You can find them all wherever you download podcasts, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
we've kind of gone over it already. It's, it's, it, it feels like it's been forever. Uh, you know, I, I, I love the NBA's idea of having an award show. Uh, and and I, I get you can't have it sort of in the middle of the season. You can't get everyone together until the very, very end of the year. Um, but this just feels way too long to be talking about regular season awards. Um, it, it just feels so, it's just so incredibly long ago. I mean, who cares what happened in the regular season? I mean, I, I kind of do, but, but for my own selfish reasons. But um, it, it just, it doesn't match anymore. It's like, oh, yeah, that happened. But we do have the award show. They do have historical significance. They do matter for legacies. And so we do hand these awards out. And, and we're once again reminded that the Orlando Magic were shut out of the, award, of the award grouping of the award system. If anything, Monday night was to kind of give us an idea of where the Magic ultimately finished in all these awards. How the Magic actually did in terms of the voting, whether it was the media, whether it was executives, whether whoever was voting. And it just reminded us that, oh yeah, the Magic really didn't get a lot of recognition throughout the course of the season. You do look at the votes, and and of course the Magic had nobody voted to the all-defensive team, so naturally no defensive player of the year's, your award votes, even though they had the eighth best defense in the league, one of the best defenses in the league. Steve Clifford ended up finishing seventh for coach of the year, a guy that a lot of us thought should have been among the favorites, just three total votes for Steve Clifford for Coach of the Year. One second-place vote and two third-place votes. Three total votes. Granted, that's one more than Nick Nurse, who only had two third-place votes uh, in, in, in the voting. Mike Budenholzer ended up winning it, which very well-deserved. No one was expecting Steve Clifford to win it. He finished seventh. Jeff Weltman did get a first-place vote for Executive of the Year, even though he really didn't do that much. And that's voted on by other executives, so the great mystery remains. Who voted for Jeff Weltman for first place, executive of the year? That ended up going to John Horst uh, with Milwaukee. Jeff Weltman finished way down on the list. Like Looks like sixth or seventh. And then, of course, we get to, and then uh, Nikola Vucevic actually finished fifth for most improved player of the year. Got a couple of votes there, so that was, that was a nice surprise. But now, the, the guy that we talked about most in terms of award season, the guy that we seem to care about a little bit more when it came down to getting someone in the award season, was Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross ended up finishing fifth for sixth man of the year. In fact, it, I wasn't so surprised that he finished fifth as I did a little bit more research. I was like, okay. There, there are a few guys that should be in there. And what's really surprising is DeMontis Sabonis finished second. I thought he was the weakest of the three finalists. But Terrence Ross finished fifth with just six total votes. Three second-place votes and three third-place votes. Finished one point, one third-place vote ahead of Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose had a very fine season, don't get me wrong. But Terrence Ross was a game-changer for a playoff team. I'm not going to sit here and argue that Lou Williams should not have won Sixth Man of the Year. Lou Williams was the runaway winner for Sixth Man of the Year. Got 96 of the 100 first place votes, deserved him, and someone left him off his, their ballot. They are wrong. But to me, if DeMontis Sabonis is finishing second, because again, I thought DeMontis Sabonis was the weakest 
of the three candidates for sixth man of the year, or the three finalists for sixth man of the year. Thought he was by far the weakest. Got 52 second place votes. I don't know how that happened. Again, he he had a nice season. But to me, Terrence Ross was better. The ultimate judge of whether a player should be sixth man of the year is are they finishing games? Are they just coming off the bench as a matter of convention? Are they actually starters? Which again, is part of the flaw of this category. But when you look, when you break down the numbers, Terrence Ross finished among the leaders in points per game off the bench. Among players who finished, who played at least 41 games off the bench this year, Terrence Ross was fourth in scoring average. 15.1 points per game. Only Lou Williams, the winner, Spencer Dinwiddie, who finished fourth and was actually very deserving and probably should have been a finalist as well. Jordan Clarkson and Montrez Harrell, who finished third. Averaged more points per game. In terms of defense, Ross finished fourth in defensive win shares among that same group of players. Players who came off the bench for at least 41 games this season. Only DeMontis Sabonis, George Hill, and Corey Joseph finished better than him. So again, I think you break this down. And then again, clutch moments. Because if the, the sixth man finishes the game, or at least the, the top six men of the year finish the game, and bench players who played at least 20 games with clutch situations, so plus or minus five points with five minutes to go. Ross was fourth in clutch points per game, 1.6 points per game, trailing only Lou Williams, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Dwayne Wade. To me, Terrence Ross had the, he had the statistical profile to be a finalist for sixth man of the year. Again, Lou Williams deserved the award, not taking that away from him. But if DeMontis Sabonis is going to finish second, Terrence Ross certainly has a stronger argument, or at least a strong argument to be in that group. Certainly stronger than the amount of votes that he ended up getting, just six. Terrence Ross for the Orlando Magic this year was a true game changer. There were several games throughout the course of the year that Ross changed momentum in the fourth quarter. Almost on his own. There's the win against Philadelphia in November where the legend of Terrence Ross really began. There was the game against the Indiana Pacers in January when the Magic first started to make their run at twenty to go 22-9 to finish the year, where the rumbling started to happen. He made several big shots in the third quarter to stake the Magic a lead or made several big shots in the fourth quarter to close that game out. It was a repeated story throughout the year. Orlando needed some energy. They needed some buckets. They got them from Terrence Ross. Orlando does, I mean... Orlando does not make the playoffs this year if several pieces don't go right. If Nikola Vucevic weren't so consistent, because he was so consistent this season. If Terrence, if, if the Magic don't stay healthy. But the two biggest reasons, honestly, the Magic made the playoffs. Nikola Vucevic's consistency, I think, was number one. And Terrence Ross just adding that little extra element Somewhat of uncertainty. But that ability for him to just go off and score 30 points on any given game, on any given time. He had more 30-point games this year than any point in his career. Honestly, could have deserved, could have gotten some run for most improved player 
but he was absolutely vital to the Magic making the playoffs. Immensely vital. Indispensable, even. And so when the Magic talk about who they're bringing back in free agency, yes, a lot of attention's on Nikola Vucevic. A lot of attention, too, is on Terrence Ross. They need to bring them both back in some way, or at least get, give themselves a chance. And replacing what Terrence Ross did, being able to go off and win games off the bench on his own, almost, or, or to change the energy of the game on his own, that's something that's going to be extremely hard to replace. As good as Nikola Vucevic was last year, there is probably a good contingent of Magic fans who would say, let Vooch walk and just bring Ross back. We, you can replace Vooch at a, at a lower salary level. I'm not completely sold on that, but I, I do think the point is valid. What I think what Terrence Ross gives you, if he can give it to you again, is a lot harder to find. And to me, that's what we're really saying when we value six men. Lou Williams is exactly the same way. He changes the game off the bench. He gives the team an energy and a spark they would not have otherwise. He is essentially a starter who just doesn't start games. And Ross did a lot of the same things. Ross did the same things for the Orlando Magic. And it's frankly shameful that he didn't get some recognition during tonight's NBA Awards. Shameful the Magic didn't get more recognition for the kind of season that they had as the team with the biggest turnaround in the NBA, a plus 17 win differential from last year. But of course, these awards are as much about visibility as anything else. We all kind of understand this. The Magic weren't on TV until the last game of the year, which, by the way, Terrence Ross scored 35 points against the Hornets that night. One of his better games of the season. Magic weren't on TV, no one saw them. No one saw them really until the playoffs. And, and they accorded themselves well, but proved to be a lower-seeded team playing against an eventual NBA champion. So... Terrence Ross gets his recognition here. He is my sixth man. My sixth man of the year. Yeah, Lou Williams deserved to win. I would have voted Lou Williams number one. I would have given my second place vote to Terrence Ross. He was a phenomenal player all season long and deserves at least a little bit of recognition for it. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Moving on now to Friday's press conference. The Orlando Magic officially introducing Chuma Okiki, their first-round pick, to the media, bringing him into the fold. Uh, it, you know, it was, it was interesting getting to, to see Chuma uh, in Orlando. I mean, I, th I think, you know, we've had a few days now, you know, you know, five days now to really kind of digest what the Magic did here, picking Okiki. It was a pick that a lot of us didn't expect. Um, you know, I go back and look at my mock draft, and, you know, I, I watched a little bit of Okiki. I, I didn't have him on my radar for 16. I thought, you know, he was a good player with good size. 
coming off the ACL injury, I just thought that that would make him very difficult to draft. But I did sneak him into the end of my first round. I thought he was someone that that a team could take a flyer on late in the first round. And, you know, I, despite what, what Jeff Waltman said, that, that a lot of teams, you know, were considering taking him in, in the teens or right after the Magic took him, I... I still kind of believe that the Magic were trying to trade down to, to get him. Uh, I, I just don't see uh, any other team really being that high on him at 16 with the injury that he had. But undoubtedly, though, I think Orlando got their guys. As Jeff Waltman said uh, in his introduction there that I played at the, at the top of the show, this was an exciting day for them. This was a guy that they, uh, that they had clearly targeted and clearly wanted to bring into the fold, onto the team. Uh, he... I think there was this initial shock because he wasn't someone that a lot of us had on our radars. He wasn't someone the media in particularly evaluated very highly. Uh, and so I think that that kind of affected our initial reactions to the pick. But as I said, the more you watch the guy, the more you kind of read up on him, the more he kind of checks all the boxes that the Magic have. Um, you know, they like guys with positional versatility and length. Chumo Kiki certainly has that. They want guys that can shoot the ball effectively, and Okiki was about a 38% shooter in college, and he has some work to do there, of course, to get to the NBA line, but pretty solid shooter. They like guys who are hardworking, good guys, good teammates, and and it's there where Okiki certainly makes the biggest impact, or, or at least makes the biggest impression. Um, it, he was someone that was just as surprised as we were that he got picked at 16. It didn't seem like this was something that was completely on his radar either as, as he gathered to watch the draft with his family and friends in Atlanta. In fact, Okiki was the first player picked that was not in New York, that was not invited to the green room. Uh, and so, yeah, we don't have that moment where he's shaking hands with the commissioner, of course. But, you know, we do have him and his family celebrating in their home uh, about getting picked. This this huge deal, of course, a humongous deal for any player to get picked in the NBA draft. And so, the biggest impression that you get from Okiki is that he came to Auburn wanting to do something greater, wanting to do something with his teammates for his teammates. And honestly, the, the thing about him getting injured was he couldn't be out there for his teammates and his teammates had to do something for him. And you could tell that meant a lot to him. Um, you know, it meant a lot, you know, just because, like, going into that season, you know, we was a real close team um, coming up from my freshman year. So, um, you know, that bonding that we had, that bond that we had was just real strong. And um, I knew I knew that they was, I knew that they was going to play hard for me because I was, I was always playing hard for them. So it was, it was just a real good feeling. And that's, Really, what Okiki's kind of lasting legacy was, uh, you know, unfortunately, it was him being on 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 the sideline carrying the trophy around while he was in a wheelchair. But it was that legacy of of, of teamwork, and that's really what kind of sticks out about Okiki. I mean, I, I've talked to a few Auburn fans about him, and, and that's really what they talk about too. Was how Okiki was the ultimate teammate. How he was unheralded as a freshman, averaging only about seven points per game, and was told to kind of transform his body a little bit in the offseason. And his regular season numbers weren't fantastic 12 points per game, six and a half, six point seven rebounds per game. But he stepped his game up as the year went on. He got better as Auburn began to make its push for the NCAA tournament and through the SEC and NCAA tournaments. 
before he getting hurt against North Carolina, he was putting together perhaps his best game of the year, if not, if not for sure, being the best player on the floor in that game, scoring 21 points. And when you look back at that game, it's the way he scores those points that to me is most interesting. It's him coming off of cuts and screens. It's him kind of working within the offense, not forcing a lot of things. And as I reminded everyone, you're not necessarily looking for a star or a starter. If you can get one, great. But you had your bet a little bit. You need someone that can also play a role, that can fit into an offense. And Chuma Okiki certainly can do that. And with the, with the positional versatility, with, with everything else that he brings to the table, he's someone that certainly fits the bill for the kind of player the Magic look for. Uh, I think he's what, you know, what the NBA is all about now. Positional size, versatility. Um, a guy that at the defensive end, he'll be able to switch and guard different players, which makes everything simpler. Offensively, can shoot. He's got high IQ. He's got a good feel for the game. He can pass. Um, so he can be a two-way player. So to me, as much as anything, positional size, guys that can play well at both ends of the floor, um, you know, that's you watch Toronto. Toronto's not playing anybody that can't play both offense and defense, and they're big. They built their defense around their size, and I think Chuma fits very well into that. Again, it feels like Chuma Okiki checks off all the boxes. Everything the Magic could want. And that's why the Magic, I think, felt very comfortable taking him at 16. Of course, all these things that, that, that Weltman, that Clifford, that, that, that they all say during an introductory press conference are all well and good. Everyone gets an A the day after the draft from the general manager, from, from, the, from the executives, from the coaches. It's getting to the work. That matters. And like I said, like I said, I think last week on last Friday's episode, my issue with Chuma Okiki is not Chuma Okiki the player. I, I do like Chuma Okiki the player. And like I said, I do think he checks off all the boxes. My issue is you don't get anything from him in his rookie year at all. Much, much low, less than you would get from a normal rookie. In fact, it doesn't seem very likely Okiki will play much at all during the 2020 season. Now, he said he is through the painful part of his recovery, that the kind of first month of rehab is the painful part. He's working to strengthen his quadricep, and I can happily report that at the press conference, he was walking around in a brace, had a, had a big black brace over his left knee, uh, over his suit. So he's not on crutches, which, which I think, conjures up very negative memories for Orlando Magic fans as far as player introductions go. So he is making progress, and Jeff Waltman said there is hope that he will be able to play by January or February of the 2020 season, but they're not going to push it. They're not going to rush him. If he's not ready, they're fine with that. They're not planning on using Okiki in the 2020 season. I would expect Okiki, if he is healthy, to make some starts and make and play some games in Lakeland, that's why Lakeland is there. So, I think he will play and do something during the 2020 season. But probably not for the Orlando Magic. So, as far as the 2020 season, as far as the immediate short term, yes, it, it's a little bit of, of a loss, and there's no getting around that. 
However, it's very clear he can play. It's very clear that he's willing and ready to put in the work to play. That's, that's something the Magic look for. They like finding guys who have improved over the course of their careers, that have a proven track record of getting better. And like I said, he seems to check all the boxes the Magic want. Seems to check all the boxes that the league is asking of young players. And again, he did indeed find a sort of uh, a trend among NBA teams looking for players like Chuma Okiki. So maybe there was something to it. That if the Magic didn't take Okiki at 16, he wouldn't have been there if they traded down. Maybe there is something to it. I I, I think that that one is... Uh, I think that one might be some GM speak, <laughs> to be honest, to, to pump up their pick a little bit. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But Okiki's ultimate success is built on his work ethic. And whether he will put the time in and put the work in to make the most of this opportunity, to make the most of this chance. And it seems like the one thing that we all know, that that everyone seems to know about Okiki from his time in Auburn to today is that he will put that work in. We'll just have to wait and find out. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. That's philiprr underscore omd. Find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. And, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic. You can follow me again on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic. This has been Philip Rossum, right? I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.